0: If you've got a Bible, you can start turning it and finding uh, 1 Peter, chapter 2. Just to say as well, at the end of the meeting, we're going to be breaking bread together. We're going to ask the children to come back in for that. So what will happen is they'll be brought into that area over there, there's a marked out area, and you'll need to go and collect your child with the tickets, if they're in the threes to tens, you'll go and collect them from that box over there with your ticket still. Don't let them just run to you, okay? You need to collect them still, as usual. And uh, you may have noticed that the women's toilets are out of order over here, so if you're... Is it something I'm doing? Okay, it's normally something I'm doing, you see. (laughs) Um, If you need to use uh, the toilets, if you're a woman, then why don't you use the disabled toilet? That's probably the best for you, uh, as the toilets out here are for the uh, children's work during the meeting. But hopefully you'll be so enraptured that you won't even need the loo. (laughs) Okay, I had a text this morning from Paul Woodward. Paul and Jean... Uh, And Jonathan and Angela are out in Tanzania. And he texted this morning. He said they arrived safely uh, a few days ago. uh, But he he texted again this morning to say that they've just finished a three day conference um, for church leaders in the part of Tanzania that they're in. Um, And uh, today he's speaking at the church in Umbea. That's uh, Jonathan Kayendo's church. You you might remember Jonathan came a couple of years ago, I think it was. and uh, so that's his church. Paul's preaching there this morning. And then they go out into the rural uh, parts nearby. And they're doing another conference, a two-day conference, out in some rural areas of Tanzania. So he said, prayers are much appreciated. I said, it's great, but we are tired. So uh, let's keep praying for them this week as they carry on uh, being out there in Tanzania. Um, as Raj said, we have changed our preacher. I'm just, just going to move this baby. It feels a bit weird, so... <laughs> we're carrying on with uh, a change to our preaching series of going through Mark and uh, we're spending some time leading up to the gift day um, around what has God called us to as a church, what's our vision, a bit about giving as well. And this morning uh, I wanted to preach from First uh, Peter chapter 2 and from verse 4. So we're going to read through it together, but if you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, because the words will be on the screen. So 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, see... I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. I just want to set the context really so you know why I've chosen this passage for this morning. In this letter, Peter is going to go on to speak about, uh, talk about things like how these Christians are to live in a society that doesn't honour God. How their family relationships should work. How... They are called to do good to those around them, even if they persecute them. And that actually persecution is likely. He's going to talk about what leadership should look like. But actually it's all in the context of who they are. It flows out of who they are called to be, who God has made them. Use an example. Okay, A, a lot of the rest of the letter is about submission and humility. But actually, the wrong foundation to that can lead to you simply just being walked over, being crushed, actually becoming resentful. See, how we live as the people of God comes out of who we are. And that is the point of this passage this morning. So we're going to um, spend a few weeks talking about vision and then taking up a gift day next week and the week after. And I want to use this time this morning to stir afresh a passion in you for, and me for the people of God. A passion for his church. See, the view of the church in this nation is sometimes, well, actually, the church is a little behind the times. People in this nation might think, well, actually the church is a bit for yesterday, really. Not for modern life. Even among Christians, some Christians will view the church as, well, the church is somewhere I can go if I need, um, rather than actually it's a people that I become a part of. But today I want to stir faith in us for the church, both the worldwide church, across the the world and also for this local expression here in Jubilee. Bill Hybels, an American church pastor, uh, says this about, uh, he says this, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. And then he says, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. So what I want us to see this morning is not particularly what Bill Hybels thinks, although that is really important and I like what he says, but actually God's view of the church and we find it here in Scripture. First of all, the church is all about Jesus. Jesus is referred to as the living stone. It says, as you come to him the living stone. He's not any stone. He's the cornerstone. If you were building a house, the first stone that you put down needed to be just right. In fact, the rest of the building, the foundations, the walls, that would take its shape from that first stone, from that cornerstone. And if that first stone, if that cornerstone was wrong, then the foundations would be wrong the walls would be wrong the foundations would be wrong and so you get a feel for that don't you as um, he quotes uh, from Isaiah and uh, and from Psalms and uh, and he's saying you know people are looking it's as if they're looking for the right cornerstone and, and the one and the, but they've rejected they've rejected the perfect cornerstone they've rejected the cornerstone that they needed See, there is a a personal message for us as individuals there. Absolutely. Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? Is everything else built in your life shaped around him being at the centre? Decisions, relationships, your hopes, your dreams. Is Jesus the cornerstone? Actually, First and foremost, this passage is talking about a corporate context, talking about us as a church context, as the people of God. Jesus being the cornerstone of the church. The Apostle Paul says it as well in Ephesians 2.20. He says, Jesus is the cornerstone of God's people. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the cornerstone of church? Actually, it means that everything becomes about him. We gather together because of him. We tell people and invite people on Alpha because of him. We want to seek to become more like him. We want to know him. We want him to be honoured in all our relationships. We only exist because of him. So he is the cornerstone. This passage says we we are like living stones being built into a house. You and I are not dead stones. What does that mean, to be a living stone? Because this is really important. We are not dead stones. We're not just there to look... Lou and Les, can I borrow you? Can you stand up a minute? Is that okay? Come and stand next to me and I'll stand in the middle. (laughs) Just stand beside me. Yeah, it's not as if we are stones, just... Lined up together, kind of. What do we do now? We're stones. We're here to look pretty, maybe, or just kind of be in a in a, in a building, dead stones. No, no, no. It's not. We're living stones. There's life. There's, there is life. Yeah. There's <laughs> life. We're not just kind of all lined up to look pretty. No, no. There's life to being living stones. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Wonderful stones. We are living stones. There is life to this house that's being built. What does it mean? Well, actually, there's lots of imagery it goes on, talking about being uh, a priesthood and offering spiritual sacrifices. You know, there's a purpose to this house. It's not a line of dead stones. The church is now where together we approach God. Christ it's where together we come to him together we know him together we know he's present amongst us as we meet together means he's our priority when we gather together and of course God wants to add many more living stones to this house It's not simply about that. The imagery isn't just about adding more and more stones. Actually, it's something about those stones being perfected, being who they are meant to be. These living stones, Jesus is making more like him. You and I, Jesus is making us more like him. So he will always be the cornerstone, but we are being shaped be the stones he's made us to be do you know that do you know that or did you think well actually god loves me the way i am so that's okay isn't it i don't have to change one little job well actually no god does love you the way you are but as the saying goes he loves you too much to keep you the way you are and he is changing us to be more like him and that doesn't happen on our own that happens in community It happens when these stones are put together and sometimes they are bumping against one another, sometimes uh, they are doing life together, they are sometimes kind of of knocking one another and, and, and sometimes kind of rubbing up against one another, but they are together and God is changing them to be more like him together. So we want to make sure that there's loads of opportunities for that. Community groups, youth groups, projects that we can serve together on and do life together. Not simply, well, I kind of I just go to this midweek group as well. I think I'm meant to. No, no, I'm part of these people. We we are living stones and we have a purpose together. We're committed to one another. It's not just a group of people I get together with. and there. No, no, we're friends. We're brothers and sisters. We're committed to one another. So the church is all about Jesus. But secondly, it's a people that are belonging to God, a people that belong to God. So verse 9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. See, when I worked in one of the local councils in Teesside, um, one of the real priorities in the area that I worked in was about building stronger communities, making, uh, uh, giving people a greater community spirit, giving people a sense of belonging to their community. And there was kind of much discussion um, uh, during my time there about, well, how do we do that? What gives people that? There was almost this sense of, realization that people had lost that. They'd, they'd lost their sense of identity. They, it was black like people didn't feel like they belonged anymore to their community. You know, I think that, that's so true. There's a whole sense, certainly in our Western society, um, if you're from the West, uh, that where do I belong? Where do I fit? It's a real issue. Listen, the church belongs God we are his special possession, a chosen people hear the grace of God in that phrase, a chosen people see God didn't choose you and I because we were particularly impressive he didn't choose us because we were better than all the other people in side, and uh, that would work out better for side if he had us do you ever feel like that? God really needs me because of my special talents, my special i 'm really i 'm really something no no this is what this is what Paul says in one Corinthians one from uh, this is verse twenty six brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God. "'Chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. "'He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. "'God chose the lowly things of the world, "'the despised things and the things that are not "'to nullify the things that are, "'so that no one may boast before him. "'It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus, "'who has become for us wisdom from God. "'That is is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. "'Therefore, as it is written, "'let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord.'" so God doesn't choose people because of their worth because of how well they'll be able to serve him what is it? actually he chooses because of his love you know he said to Israel in the Old Testament you know I haven't chosen you because you are the greatest of nations in fact probably the opposite I chose you because I loved you to you and I we are a chosen people Turn to the person next to you and say, we are a chosen people. Well, well done, the four people that did that. It's where our identity comes from. We are his special possession. I'm, I'm going to really wind you up now. Do it again. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, we are his special possession. So the, the church is not something that God's just been left with that he d- really didn't want do you, do you have friends like this who give you stuff that you don't you, that you, they just want rid of really they don't really want I have to be careful here because my parents are staying and, and, uh, they've g- and my dad gave me it's things I really do want I've got some speakers some really nice speakers we'll put somewhere in the house dear. I promise and uh, an electric sander you no, know, these are things you know you really want. But do you do you ever have people who give you stuff that is just like, oh, thanks. I, I realise you probably just didn't want this, and you're trying to get rid of it. Um, those types of things. You know, it's not like that's not how it is with God. It's not like God's just been left with the church. Oh, right, okay. What do I do with this? Okay, I really didn't want. No, no, we're His special possession. He delights in His church. Perhaps you're a Christian here today and you really need to hear that. You know, it's true from a corporate together point of view. But also, perhaps you've just forgotten who you are. Because you're in Christ, you are his special possession, you belong to him. And together, we are his special possession, belonging to him. We're a royal priesthood. It's not simply just one or two superstars, people running around doing everything. It's not about some special holy people who can know God. No, no, we are all priests who approach God because we belong to him. We are a people of the spirit. See, that that whole verse... Um, where it talks about being filled with the Spirit. It's in a corporate context. We are a people together, led, filled by the Spirit. So that means we're on a journey of faith together with Jesus. Not just a few of us and then the rest of us are all bystanders. No, no, we're hearing him together. We're looking for His leading together. We're serving one another together. You know, we we don't have some amazing five-point plan of this is how, this is how, this is where the church goes. And I'm not knocking plans and strategies and stuff like that. But no, no, we're looking for God to lead us. We're looking for Him. We're looking to be on an adventure with Him. It's not simply do these things and that will will take you to where you need to. No, no, we're, we're looking for his leading. We're looking for his guiding. We're a people of the spirit together. And so when we talk about investing in leadership, and I know we've talked about that over the past few weeks, that's that's kind of what we mean. Actually, we want to invest in leadership because leadership serves that. The purpose of leadership is so that we might all grow, so that we might all be effective disciples, so we might all be released into being the community God has called us to be. And finally, we are people belonging to him because we are to show and talk of his praises, what he has done. This is verse 9. But you are a chosen people, A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What's he done? He's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We really need to see the two extremes there of that verse. We were in darkness. That was our state without Jesus. No, it's language, but it describes a serious place to be. Without Jesus, you're lost. There's no hope. There's no way for you to sort yourself out without him. It's a darkness that won't end when you die. Actually, it'll become a permanent thing. But because of Jesus... We have been brought into wonderful light. He has has experienced death and darkness for us and defeated it at the cross so we wouldn't have to, so that we could be brought into light by trusting in him. To Jubilee, we're not here to declare how wonderful we are. Rather, what God has done And is doing in Christ. And we do that in both what we do and what we say. That's what we've been called to. In our worship, personally, when we gather together to declare his praises. In helping those who find themselves in difficulty or find themselves in crisis, whether it's with uh, hope or with um, Open Door. Open Door won an award on Friday for being Community Organization of the Year in the Tees Valley or something like that. Tees Valley Awards, something. Well done, everyone involved in Open Door. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Um, Is that like Community Organization of the Year at the Tees Valley BME Awards. Fantastic. You know, we're called to help those who find themselves in difficulty or crisis, whether it's with Safe Families for Children. We're called to do it through Alpha. To declare the praises of God as we invite people to Alpha. We're called to it in Teesside. We're called to it much further. We're called to it in Tanzania. We're called to it next month as Andy and Raj go to Canada. Call called to it out in Turkey where Jill and Andy are. And I believe there'll be much more, many more places we know that God is calling more people out of darkness and to Him, life with Him. You no know, jubilee. We are not just filling some time before we die, filling in a bit of time before we get to heaven. No, no. We have purpose, and it comes out of who God has called us to be, to declare His praises. I was so uh, encouraged. By a New Day this year, our young people went on a camp, go on a camp every year called New Day and meet with some 7,000 young people down in the south. And uh, every year they do a, a gift. They have a gift offering at the end of the week. And you think, well, I wonder what these kids are going to give. And uh, the offering was for work in, out in Zimbabwe and that part of Africa and also for church planting in Western Europe. And uh, you kind of think, well, I, w- I wonder what they're going to give. These are just some kids that get together for a camp. They've spent all their money on slushies and uh, milkshakes. Uh, well, do you know, you kind of, you, your kind of expectations could be a bit like, they gave £140,000, these kids. You kind of go, wow, what no, this, this is This is kids who chose to believe in the promises of God. They chose to believe they're here for purpose. They chose to believe I can play my part, even in giving to these amazing um, projects, these amazing things, where this money's going to, out to Zimbabwe, to seeing churches planted so more people might know about Jesus in Western Europe. Do you know, it, it, it encouraged me and it challenged me. Listen, I want to ask you to pray about what to give over the next few weeks. You know, the amount is not as important as the faith that accompanies it. It really isn't. It's done in faith, as an act of worship, as a a declaration of His praises, as a response to God. That's the important bit. It's not necessarily what you might think is a, I've just got this. It doesn't seem much, but man, it really stretches me, and I'm really doing it in worship. God loves that. He absolutely loves that response. Um, Julie, could you go and get the kids to start to come back in? Because we're going to kind of wrap up soon. But yeah, I'd ask you to pray. I'd ask you to pray and ask you to come with faith. Believing, choosing to believe in his promises, choosing to believe that all... He wants to do in us as a people. All He has called us to do as a people. Now we're going to finish by breaking bread. We're not going to sing or anything like that. We're going to break bread together. and uh, I've purposefully left lots of time so that we don't rush this. So that we almost dwell richly in what we're about to do that we are celebrating Christ and what he has done for us. That we, we may do it informally, we may move from one another, we may pray for one another, and then maybe break bread again with someone else. But we do it richly, enjoying Christ. You know, the bread will remain bread and the wine will remain well fruit juice. The fruit juice will remain fruit juice. But you know, as we do this, he's amongst us. Let's really take this seriously and enjoy the riches of it. (coughs) Remembering what he has done at the cross for us. That the juice, the fruit juice, represents his body, uh, his blood, the bread, his body. That he gave his life for his bride, for the church for you and I remember that death didn't hold him that he was victorious that he lives and reigns forevermore and that one day he will return and we'll be doing this until he returns, his church will be doing this until he returns you know if you're not a Christian here this morning this is this is quite a quite an important remembrance act for us. Um, It's not simply just taking a bit of bread and wine. So I would say, if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, I'd say don't take the bread and wine. But if you want to today, why don't you talk with the person you've come with, if you want to give your life to Jesus, why don't you talk to them, hey, maybe taking that bread and wine would be the first act of accepting him but talk with a person that you've got someone you've come with. If you're from another church, if you're a Christian who's visiting us, hey, we would love you to take bread and wine with us. We would love you to be part of this body together as we break take the bread and take the juice. But let's not rush it. Let's enjoy this. You might want to move around and take bread and wine with different people. And I'd ask you to do this as we do this as we take it. Remember what he has done for us. Remember that we are his people. He has given himself for us. But pray for Teesside. Pray for your neighbours. Pray for your streets. Pray for this coming Alpha Course. Pray for those who don't know Jesus on Teesside. That they would come to know him. That they would see that he is wonderful. And that they would give their lives to him. Do that as well. Let's 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 do that together. You can you can go and get bread and wine. Don't simply just kind of form little groups. Look out for one another. Hey, maybe break bread and wine with someone you've never broken bread with before. You might say, Hey, I, I, I've seen you around, and let's just break bread together. I'd even encourage you. Try and find someone you haven't broken bread with together. If you've got children as well, you'll need to go to the back. And collect them with the tickets, um, and take responsibility for your children. If you want them to be involved in this, if you know they love Jesus, hey, that's great. But you need to take responsibility as parents in that. So let's 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 take bread and wine together. Come on.